Welcome to the Nerdaplexy Comic Movie Review Show. In this series, we are going to break down and analyze every comic movie released between 1989's Batman all the way to 2008's Iron Man. We are going to track the trends, hype the hits, and dunk on the duds, all in search of the perfect convergence of comics and cinema. Joining me on this epic journey is my longtime friend and frequent co-conspirator, Sam. You didn't invite me, so I crashed. So sit back, relax, and grab your penguin remote control as we dive into Batman Returns. This flick, man. Wow. Wow. What a movie. I don't think I've watched it a second time until this. Because if I'm rewatching Batman, I'll put on Batman 1989. You know, I've seen it so many times it can just run in the background or whatever. But this one, I feel like I probably watched it when I was 11 or 12 years old and just never again until this watch. And man, it's wild. I think I'm with you there. I'm pretty sure I saw this one in theaters and then I think I saw it again on TV like that next year in the summer. You know how they used to do. But that's really it. I have not seen it as many times as I thought I have. And this was a totally different movie than I remembered. And I'm watching it through, you know, those rose colored glasses of your youth. And Mm -hmm. you probably catch on some of the grossness, but not all of it. And man, there's a lot of it. My man is gross. But this one came out, released June 19, 1992, directed by Tim Burton, starring Michael Keaton, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Danny DeVito. You mustn't forget Christopher Walken. There's some insane quotables. The acting is impeccable. Yes, Christopher Walken as well. Yes, I I normally only do three and I forgot to to add the fourth. (laughs) Christopher Walken as Max Shrek. Okay, so a little bit about casting. Danny DeVito was urged by his good buddy, Jack Nicholson, to accept this part because of how much fucking money he made. There's just so much money to be had in this universe. Not to mention, I think that Jack Nicholson probably thought that it was kind of a freeing role to be the Joker. And once you get in the prosthesis, you can just kind of encompass another human uh, more easily than you would just acting as just any normal person. And I think that comes across on the screen in Batman 89 and especially comes across the screen in this one where you got Danny DeVito just chewing through the scenery. Well, you know what? No one is holding... (laughs) <laughs> no one is holding anything back on this no. one. Keaton, Pfeiffer, DeVito, walking everyone going for it. So the movie opens. It's a snowy scene. There's a man by the window smoking a cigarette. And who is it? Oh, my goodness. It's Paul Rubens, baby. Pee-wee. Pee-wee. His wife. I don't know if you recognize her. That's no. Simone from Pee-wee's Big Adventure. So <gasps> oh, shit. Tim Burton's just digging into that back pocket of cast. So this is Senior Cobblepot. Penguin's dad here. And for this role, initially, they had pegged uh, Mm. to play Penguin's father, the actor who played the Penguin in the Adam West series, Burgess Meredith. Mm -hmm. And uh, he he had intended to do it, but illness prevented him. And luckily, that gives us Paul Rubens. Yeah, we get a uh, a Pee-wee's Big Adventure couple here at the beginning, and they do a great job. Pee-wee does get to play Penguin's dad again in Gotham. But a different backstory. Oh, that's really fun. Yeah, well, in this one, uh, th- these are not so great parents. They have a baby. Everybody screams and throws up, which is a nice <laughs> cold, cold open. And then they have toddler Oswald encased in like a raptor cage. And <laughs> How quickly do you think they went from cradle to cage? Or you think they happened to just say, let's go get the cage now? 
I've seen this thing. It needs a cage. Uh-huh. I don't want it to be out at all. I don't know that it took too long because young Cobblepot fucks that cat right up. And my first big laugh of this movie. Well, there you go. And that's your your foreshadowing moment, right? You have the cat and you got the penguin. Ah, excellent. Yeah. So they decide that their precautions aren't enough. These parents so they're going to dump this baby in the river. And they put, they're pushing the baby in the stroller. <laughs> It's Christmas Eve or whatever. When they see the other couple and they go like, oh, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. And then just proceed to dump their baby right in the water. That was another. This movie is very funny. Thematically on point because they're pushing their black zipped up stroller and the other family with their presumably perfectly normal child in a stark white stroller. And you get the theme, which is the duality of man. Mm, Yes, yes, yes. White hats, black hats. Right. And you get the Moses parallel as well. Because they send him down the river in his stroller. Uh-huh. And then he comes later to want to kill all of the firstborns of Gotham. Yes. Someone mentions that Bruce Wayne and Oswald Cobblepot could have been boarding school buddies. And I wonder if that was supposed to be the Waynes there at the beginning. Maybe so. And interestingly enough, it's only 33 years later. So Oswald is 33 years old and played by a 46-year-old Danny DeVito. Uh, you know, but, not too you know, bad. I, sewer life's tough on you. Sewer life is tough on you. Surprisingly, he comes out of that whole thing fairly well adjusted considering. (laughs) Being raised by sewer penguins. And I guess listening through the sewers is where he got his education because you also find out that he's picked up by a circus as the penguin boy or something, essentially. Is that what that was? Alluded to. It's not specific because I always remember this more from the Batman Returns video game. And you play through and you're fighting this circus gang, which turns out to be the Red Triangle in the movie. And I'm thinking this should be more appropriate to be the Joker's gang because there's clowns right. and whatnot. But he was picked up by a circus. So that's where that connective tissue is there. A freak show element. Yeah, that does make the circus connections a little clearer because it was weird to see that. But the clown gang's design is great. And maybe that circus connection will uh, present itself. Pres- <laughs> present itself a little bit later there you go present (laughs) itself perfect 33 years later it is christmas on creepy rockefeller square in the plaza of the max shrek building is that supposed to be like a cartoon cat on the max shrek building it looks like looks like felix the cat yeah because of the whole cat woman of it all i didn't really get that i wasn't sure if cat or mouse it's kind of ambiguously cartoony creepy for sure it's definitely a, a like another design tim burton had kicking around but yes it's christmas eve and they're doing a big tree lighting ceremony did you notice that in christopher walken's boardroom it's got padded walls no i didn't see that Okay, well, we would just delete that. I, mean, I don't know if I have anything else cool to say about that. Just that I thought that was really weird. <laughs> we see his boardroom. He's having a meeting, and it's Christopher Walken looking like a demented Mozart or something. Like a Scrooge type. He's got these wild flowing eyebrows and stark white hair. Really crazy, like Einstein hair. I will say those eyebrows, they really brought out his eyes. He's, uh, uh, Walken's popping in this. <laughs> popping, locking. <laughs> popping, walking. Walking, popping. Walken popping is popping this meeting where he's trying to build a new power plant. Uh, but the mayor is kind of like, hey, man, we, we've got enough power and. Max Shrek is, he's got, he's got ulterior motives, obviously. One can never have too much power. Yeah. Yeah. Now, okay. So everyone's out. The the costuming on this whole movie is outstanding. And Christopher Walken's wardrobe is no exception. 
He's wearing these wild pinstripe suits. My dude looks like Dracula. Yeah, and I think a lot of the influence is from a Dracula character, right? Because Max Shrek is the name of the actor in Nosferatu. Oh, shit. I didn't put that together. Yeah. He cuts a scary figure so much so that Tim Burton didn't want to hire Walken because he was intimidated and scared of him. And you also get an introduction to Selena Kyle, who is Mm. Max Shrek's assistant, who's a very timid, shy, says the wrong things and calls herself a corn dog a couple times. Stupid corn dog. Corn dog. Corn dog. You do kind of understand because the first time she speaks, there's literally like a pin drop moment and all the chairs like squeakily turn to her. So, I mean, it's a tough room for sure, but she's not doing herself any favors. So now we get to Gotham light up night. Continuing our trend of Pittsburgh narrow casting. (laughs) It's first night in Gotham, baby. Probably a lot of cities do that. To be fair, Pittsburgh has played Gotham. So I guess it does. That does track. That's word. Heinz, baby. Smiling until the end. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we get to Gotham Light Up Night, and Max Shrek has to give a speech. He was supposed to be given his speech from Selena Kyle, but instead he has to go off the cuff because she forgot to give it to him. Well, he does a pretty good job of improv. It lasts all 30 seconds, and he's like... I only wish I could hand out more than just expensive baubles. I wish I could hand out world peace. And this is where... A giant present appears, and the, the mayor says, oh, that big old present's a nice touch. And, and Max is like, you know, that's not me. And then the clown gang appears for the first time, baby. And they're doing some rough work. You see one of the clown guys smack Santa with a sleigh. Oh, yeah, man. They're not fucking around. They really deck his halls in that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of folks are getting their, their halls decked. bells jingled, as it were. Their toes missled. Yeah, we get a little of that later, too. Let's talk about the aesthetic of the Red Triangle Gang. Pretty great. I love almost all of the style. The motorcycle guys with the helmets that are big skulls. Genuinely very cool. Oh, yeah. They feature heavily in the Batman Returns Super Nintendo game. That was like my biggest recollection. Whenever I started seeing the movie, I was like, oh, that's where those guys are from. They're from this gang. Your touch point there. Right. Yeah. So they're they're running around class and chaos, holding nothing back. They're shooting guns. There's a man on a unicycle with a machine gun. Production costs on crime has never been higher. (laughs) (laughs) yeah they're really they're really going all in on this okay the commission hits the bat symbol and it reflects into batman's house so conspicuously that there is a (laughs) anyone (laughs) that would be viewing the wayne mansion the wayne mansion from Uh outside is going to see a gigantic bat signal shine on bruce wayne's study (laughs) and then like the reflectors have a bat signal like in them too to really sharpen the image you find out a lot Whereas he may be the world's greatest detective, he's not very good at hiding his identity from almost anyone. No, certainly not in this one. Yeah, so the big light shines directly into his eyeballs in his study. That's how he knows he needs to get to it. We get that Batmobile. It's zooming around. It's very toyetic. It's showing off all the new features that are also on the fucking toy. It's got leg breakers. It's got motorcycle paddlers. (laughs) So specific. It's got things as shoot non-lethally motorcycle men off their motorcycles. And then my favorite feature is it'll put down a little piston, turn around 180 degrees, and then set a man on fire. He said fire to a man. Yeah, murder a man. We oftentimes try to catch a kill count, and I got that. I'll give it to you up front because it's not very many in this one. It was 17 in 1989. This movie, he only kills three human beings who have families. Yet again, it's like a studio note. Like, it needs to be less violent. Tim Burton's like, you know what? Actually, we're just not going to have any violence. I'm like, well, hold on, Tim. Tim, we got to 
we got to have some fun. It's like, yeah, but it's mostly going to be just like personalities talking in a room. He's, they're like, well, okay, well, hold on, Sam. A lot of the words used in this movie are were violence to my ears. Okay. <laughs> All right, I'll give you that. It's just a different kind of violence. Yeah. It's uh, mainly sexual violence. Uh, yes. Let's just cut right to it. The Penguin is a sex criminal and should be in jail. <laughs> he should be in jail for so many reasons, but not the least of which is sex crime. Yes, it's just general conduct. Okay, so Batman shows up. He kills a couple of guys, like you said, but not too many. It's certainly toned down. And then he gets an encounter with Selina Kyle. He rescues her by pulling out some stuff, and she kind of fl- is flustered and tries to say what's up, and then Batman pieces out, which is pretty cool. We see here that Selina has got a little bit of a darker side, as it were. And she tases that dude who's passed out. Yeah, and kicks him a little bit, which is interesting because in Wonder Woman 84, as soon as Cheetah gets her powers, it's reminiscent of that, where she immediately abuses her newfound power. And Selena's newfound confidence, she uses it to tase an unconscious man. She's not Catwoman yet, I don't think, right? She has yet to be pushed out the window. No, she doesn't have power. But when she picks up that taser, you can kind of see her. Right. It's it's a leveling of the play field for her because she's usually in that subservient to man role. And once she finally has something that she can fight back with, she does so and does so hard. I saw a lot of people and critics saying that this movie should be called Catwoman, which I don't disagree with because I think Michelle Pfeiffer absolutely steals the show in almost every scene she's in. She is like That's true. doing work. I think what Tim Burton, and I'd watched the featurette on this, so I, I could take these words directly from his mouth. Oh, excellent. Even we mentioned on the Batman 1989 episode that that's more of a Joker movie with Batman in it. And this is more of a Catwoman, Penguin. Obviously, he favors the villains. They have more interesting character arcs. But what right. he said in the featurette was... I remember hearing things like, oh, you know, in the first movie, you know, the, the Joker stole the show. And in the second movie, you know, he's hardly in it. It's all the Catwoman and Penguin. And, and I, I always felt that those people, for me, were missing the point of the character of Batman, you know, where he is. That's why I didn't like Robin involved, just because this guy wants to remain as hidden as possible and in the shadows as possible and unrevealing about himself as possible. So, you know, all of those things, you know, he's not going to eat up screen time by these big speeches and and doing, you know, dancing around the Batcave, you know, uh, I always felt he was in at the right amount and the right sort of level of him. That's kind of why these movies hit, because kind of the whole crux of Batman and his rogues gallery, that idea that Batman is just one bad day from being one of them. This movie really kind of shows that everyone's got issues and it's all about how you deal with it. Right. And isn't that the Joker, too, that he was completely normal and he had one bad day? Mm -hmm. where he loses his wife who was pregnant and he's forced by these knee breakers to go to this chemical place and he falls into the vat. I've demonstrated there's no difference between me and everyone else. All it takes is one bad day. That's how far the world is and where I am. Just one bad day. But your point is there's the one bad day is the continuing motif where it just takes... Very little to turn somebody from perfectly good to perfectly bad. Yeah, well, especially even in this one later when Catwoman decides to become a vigilante. She's not trying to be a criminal in this one. She's not a cat burglar. She 
kind of is a, an Avenger and tries to be a protector and then kind of goes a little funky, but that'll happen. Her attack is on the patriarchy and in her mind, Batman represents that even though they should be on the same side. He's all about justice. And, you know, mm-hmm. that that's part of... And she's more about revenge, right? It's all part of the establishment because ultimately Batman's thing is take them to the police. And Catwoman's all thing is like street justice is the only justice. The establishment has failed her. And all the people around her, which Catwoman's an intrinsically interesting character. And I think this certainly reignited an idea of what Catwoman could be from every level. The next thing we see... Max Shrek is escaping yeah, or trying to escape... And he falls into a trap door (laughs) that leads directly into the zoo. Yep, and he's... The old defunct zoo. Yeah, the the Arctic world. It's very cool, very creepy. That giant crab or whatever, that like huge lobster and the bones. I want to check this park out or this abandoned zoo or whatever it was. And this is our first true glimpse into Danny DeVito's acting and his choices that he's making for this role. Wow, man. And he's so perfect for this role. He's going for it, and it's establishing this weird, believable character, which if you just see a picture of it, you're like, how does that even seem like a thing? But it hardly takes you out of it that he's just this weird little monster man. And uh, at one point in time, he says to Max Shrek, What you put in your toilet, I place on my mantle. (laughs) And... To me, that sounds like he puts poop on his mantle. Well, he, uh, he... I guess you don't place poop in your toilet. But what do you place in the toilet? You I don't know. He's, he's got a couple of toilet things, like when like, things are flushed away and all that. I was their number one son, and they treated me like number two. <laughs> There's a lot of scatological humor. He does a lot of poop humor. <laughs> he's got a lot of sewer bits lined up and ready to go. And then he shows Max Shrek some more of the ooze from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In every movie from (laughs) 1989 on that has any supernatural anything must also have some green goo. Yeah, it's toxic waste. There's, I mean, that's all through and through the 90s. It's like this idea of toxic waste is like a neon green goopy substance. Could it be just the universe being turned on to ecological disaster? Because you see, and even in Captain America 1990, the president is all about his green initiatives. In this movie, Max Shrek's uh, undoing, or what could be his undoing, is that he's releasing this goo. Yeah, Penguin's got a whole bag of blackmail. He's got the, the toxic waste chemicals coming from a clean-running textile plant, papers that Max shredded and he put back together with tape. And apparently Shrek had some man killed, and... Penguin has the body and he gives him the hand. He shows him the hand and he says, do you want to greet any other body parts? So (laughs) it does make me wonder if he's got Fred's wiener. He absolutely has got that wiener. He's so gross. He definitely has. He has that dead guy's wiener. This version of the penguin, it's like it's got that weird horny energy of Beetlejuice. He's like gross and he's scary, but he's funny and he's non-threatening all at the same time. Mm -hmm. It it really works. And (laughs) Maybe this is something that uh, inspired Jared Leto or something, but apparently whenever Danny DeVito was in the makeup and costume, he just stayed in character the whole time. He just was the penguin on set, which I under maybe I understand mentally. You have to stay in the headspace and do all that because you got this fangs and butt. Like if you're just like a PA trying to get my dude like a glass of water. 
He's like, uh, Mr. Yeah. DeVito. Uh, he's like, oh, DeVito, come apart, sparkling. Bring me a sparkling. <laughs> I mean, he, his performance is great, and I appreciate anyone. It's scary. Everything he went through, prosthetics, and all of the people that he dealt with. God bless you all. You all did a wonderful job. Like he says, You're a well-respected monster, and I am to date not which I thought was uh, one of my favorite. That's one of my favorite lines in there. I had to write that one yeah, down. That's a great line. There's a bunch. There's so much good dialogue in this movie. You wouldn't say this dialogue needs an enema, would you? Oh. <laughs> it, no, yeah, it's, it does it's good. because there's a lot of poop stuff. <laughs> okay, you got me. A lot of jokes that are you, you could say are hard to process. Corny, you might say. No, corn dog. I'm just old corn dog. So the point here is that Penguin is blackmailing his way into the world proper. Yeah. And he's not sure what that means yet, I don't think, because it develops as he goes. He says that he wants to be res- respected and accepted and to find his family and human name. His human name. My human name. <laughs> There's like a lot of, I don't know if body positive is the right thing, but it's coming from such a exceedingly toxic because it's like the the front that he puts out he's like it's not my fault i've got these weird flippers and then but then he also says stuff like i'd like to fill her void he's got flipper tricks yeah french flipper tricks he's gross he's gross so it's it's very nasty he's progressive and transgressive simultaneously (laughs) so then we cut to selena kyle's apartment oh when she gets home selena kyle yeah so she walks through. She's got a sweet Murphy bed. Honey, I'm home. Oh, I forgot. I'm not married. Uh, yeah, and there's the uh, the weird neon hello there sign, which is every bit as weird as whenever later she breaks it to make it say hell here. Is hello there the first thing that the Cheshire cat says to Alice? And it's pink. Hello there, Alice. I think that counts. Or well, hello there, depending. I don't know. I'm allowing it. So Cheshire Cat, there you go, cat reference. Jim Burton, noted Alice in Wonderland fan. Right, and creator in the future. And transgressor for the bumble shackle dance or whatever the fuck <laughs> Johnny Depp does in this piece of shit. Off with his head! Yeah, so you get a glimpse into Selena Kyle's sad existence. Stray cats are her best friends coming through the window. She feeds them with milk. She listens to her messages, and it's a message from... Uh, a would-be lover saying that that trip that we were going to go on, I'm going by myself because it can't just be an appendage. And she says, well, some appendage, which is another wiener joke. <laughs> they couldn't they couldn't help it. It's a horny movie. Yes, but then she also left herself a message to remind herself to return to the office because the Bruce Wayne meeting is coming up and she has to pull files for Max Strick. If she hadn't already, yeah. But which she I hadn't, f- obviously, because she she's hadn't. mad at herself. It really kind of endeared me to the Selena Kyle character watching her like go through her routine and she's walking all sore because her feet hurt and you know she's feeding the cat. Her mother's like yelling at her on her answering machine. Also, just fun to see an answering machine bit in a movie. Real the, nostalgia stuff. You just you can't get those anymore. Well, you still get voicemail. There's still a voicemail scene. Mm-hmm. You just play but that. But this is not quite the same as like, let me hit the play on my machine and see what I've got and fast forward or wind or whatever. It's one of those things I completely forget about until you see it in a movie and you're like, oh my God, answering machine tapes. 
getting home, checking the answering machine messages. That's so funny. <laughs> but yeah, so she heads back to the office and she's doing her work. She's like kind of falling asleep, standing up. And who shall appear but your boy Max Shrek himself? In the creepiest fashion, too. He just creeps right up to like her ear. He's like working late. Gross. Then she does get to flex on him, which I thought was surprising at this point to even mention. But she was saying, you know, I found your files. I got your password and I went into your computer and he was all. How did you open protected files? It's your dead dog's password. And you look up and there's a a stuffed chihuahua up on his (laughs) thing. I can't remember what the stuffed chihuahua's name was. Geraldo. Geraldo. (laughs) Yeah. You never see a stuffed chihuahua. It's so funny. But yeah, so she's found in the files that the power plant that Max Shrek wants to create isn't so much a power plant for creating power. It's a plant for sucking energy out of Gotham, which does have an excess of energy. So kind of no harm, no foul. But he does not want her to know that. It's this is a weird scene because she was like, oh, yeah. And I like I got into those sealed files. Like I basically hacked your shit and I got those ready too. that. Like the ones that tell you about the crimes, like no big deal. I mean, you're the boss. So like whatever. But like I did see all of your crimes. It seems against type to this point that she would be like ready to bust that flex out. Especially if she's like working extra hard to go after hours to get the files together. I I think it's just supposed to be like it's like a thing that she didn't think was a big deal. Oh, yeah. She didn't mean to tell him that she knew that. You get a great moment where he does some Christopher Walken real good face acting and it becomes very scary. Mm, Yeah. Like, oh, just kidding. I'm not going to hurt you. And then real quick jump scare smashes her out the window. Oh, yeah. My favorite part before that is when she said, oh, you could say it. Instead of generating power, it'll sort of be sucking power. He said, and who would you say this to? And I was like, oh, (laughs) shit. Oh, shit. You're in trouble now, girl. Yeah, you stepped in it. But yeah, he throws her ass out the window. And yet again, this is just great acting from both people. Christopher Walking's being scary and disarming and charming all at once. And she's scared and then confident and then scared, then confident. The emotions here are just great. But yeah, she gets her ass flung out the window, but isn't quite killed. She falls through a bunch of awnings with that weird Felix the Cat logo. And then she's laying on the ground and Max thinks, okay, yeah, she's dead. No big deal. Which yet again, is the Joker problem of, oh yeah, that dead chick right outside my window. Like, no big deal. I'll just go home. No need to check on that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't need to keep tabs on this or call anyone or anything. But while she's laying there, a bunch of cats go fucking nuts and just start running all over her and eating her fingers and licking the inside of her mouth, which was really gross. Hopefully for some of those scenes, those were like just models. And because I I did read somewhere that they had to cover the suit and tuna basically to get all those cats to do that. Oh, I see. Obviously, some of that's practical. Yeah. Yeah. It's not great. I didn't love it. It's incredibly spooky. She kind of then wakes up and then goes home. And this was absolutely my favorite scene of the whole movie when she gets home and repeats the exact same paces she went through before. But she is like totally. Yeah, she kind of loses it and just starts doing all kind of stuff. She's like smashing stuff up and spray painting everywhere. And the hello there wall neon in her one two-bedroom apartment she smashes that and it says hell here and in a frenzy 
This is my best bit. In a frenzy, she destroys all her clothes and takes an old raincoat and fashions the infamous Catwoman suit. You never get your security deposit back anyway, so what's the difference? Might as well have fun with the place. I honestly feel that having the literally worst day of your life, yet again, here's that one bad day. She has a tough day at work. There's a terrorist attack. She then has to go back to work after the terrorist attack to do some work that she forgot about and then gets killed by her boss and then is not dead. And hey, you know what? No holds barred on that after this, but she ready for revenge, baby. And a leather fetish was born. Vacuum seal, the kind of stuff, (laughs) yeah. This suit was extremely iconic all throughout the 90s, referenced everywhere. And Michelle Pfeiffer was asked in an interview about the suit after the movie came out. And she said she never even wanted to think about the suit after filming (laughs) because they would put her in this and literally vacuum seal her in this latex suit. And she'd have to act for, you know, like six hours. It sucks. That's terrible. It doesn't sound comfortable. Did they mention at all in the featurette that it was cutting off her circulation or something like that? I think they said that in a lot of the scenes, they would get her in her suit and immediately, not unlike Morticia Adams, where they'd have to pretty much try to get as much done as possible before she felt like she was going to pass out. And then they could release some of the tension. Deflate the suit or whatever, and then set her up for the next one. Yeah. But you know what? It looks great. It's a very cool look all stitched together. It is a cool suit. Certainly iconic. Okay. The penguin. Let's get back to his fucking crazy antics. He's got a scheme. He stages a kidnap of the mayor's son. where an acrobat steals <laughs> steals the baby, backflips into an open sewer, then says, oh no, it's the penguin man from the sewers <laughs> that you've heard so much about. You're scary. Here's the baby. I'm out of here. Now, y'all can Google search away for me if you like, but I had read that <laughs> the thin clown played by Doug Jones is his breakout role. That's Doug Jones? That was Doug Jones? Doug Jones. Yeah. I know for a fact he plays a thin clown. So I'm like, 99%, it'd have to be that guy. I think it is him. I'm remembering this now, and that does make sense. It does, like, Doug Jones with hair. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So if you, if for y'all who don't know, Doug Jones does a lot of interesting body work using Pan's Labyrinth mm-hmm. as a Fauno. Yeah. Or the Pale Man. Yeah, both. Yeah, he was the, yeah, also both. the guy with the eyeballs. Yeah. He was... He was also in Shape of Water as the Amphibious Man, also known as, or I've seen called, Grinding Nemo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a friend of mine just watched that movie. We we, we watched uh, Shape of Water like a watch, not like a watch party, but we watched uh, Shape of Water. And she said, this is just like Amelie, but if she fucked a fish. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> Spoilers. She fucked up. Those of you who have seen Amelie but have not seen Shape of Water. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 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 okay, well, uh, we'll see if this makes the cut. But yeah, as inconspicuous as possible, Cobblepot comes back up with the baby on his piston powered rubber duck. Hell yeah. (laughs) It telescopes from the ground. And yeah, he's got the baby. The town is saved, and he he's like, "Oh no, don't don't talk to me. I'm just a humble sewer man." <laughs> a humble sewer man. So Bruce sees the broadcast, and it's yet again. Here's another good acting. He's watching it, and he's like empathetic, and it's this guy doesn't have his parents and all this. But then he's like, "Wait a minute, hold on. Something smells of fishy." 
<laughs> this is all part of the plan, I guess, because Max Shrek stands up for Cobblepot. It's like, no, he's just a guy. Well, he's not Cobblepot yet. Spoiler. He stands up for Penguin. He's like, he deserves a chance. And so Max Shrek takes him to like the court of public records to see if he can find his family. And Bruce Wayne's like, hold up. I think this guy knows more than he's letting on. So he does his own parallel investigation. This is where he looks up the circus. Which is kind of like profiling if you think about it. A little Maybe good bit. detective, but he's a little bit profiling. His instincts were technically correct, but yeah. That's yeah. true, because, I mean, it was, as you say, a fishy scenario where he saves this baby a- a- almost a- instantly with no struggle whatsoever. <laughs> and a circus man. Now, this is where he says he was the number one son, but they treated me like number two after he <laughs> finds his parents' gravestone. Well, Batman spies on him inside the court of public records where he's, like, looking through these babies and he's writing things down, and he's using a gigantic, like, Benjamin Franklin Quill. <laughs> and then Penguin puts on a little bit of theater at a grave site where he, I'm doing air quotes and it doesn't mean anything, but he discovers the grave site of the cobble pots and he puts down a flower and weeps and the press is all there. And, you know, he's basically he's like, I forgive my parents. It's fine. And I'm guessing he gets a gigantic inheritance because they were, look like some richy rich kind of folk. So here we get, there's a newspaper crier. They're shouting about the penguin because earlier you see him like, is there a penguin man loose in Gotham City? And now his headline is, Penguin forgives parents, says he is totally at peace with himself and the world. <laughs> and the lady says, he's like a frog that became a prince. And the other guy says, nah, he's more like a penguin. <laughs> what, the, what the hell, dude? Like, yeah, <laughs> we know that. For like a two minutes, this movie becomes a Simpsons episode because it's like jokes, jokes, jokes. When I saw that headline, it's totally at peace with himself and, and the, the world. world. That fucking slayed me. Oh, that's really funny. But fun fact, the lady who says he's like a frog that became a prince, that's Bob Kane's wife. Famous, maybe, partly creator of Batman. Yeah, he's listed as a writer on this one. Like, okay, Bob, come on. Come on, you're like 80. Right, with regard to Bill Finger, who also created 99.9% of it. (laughs) (laughs) There's a documentary about Bill Finger, and it's like horribly sad because he never got his due for... He created the Joker, the Batcave, the Batsuit, almost every aspect of Batman except for the name Batman. And Kane just did the Batman part. He said, he told this guy, it's like, I hate to say this because Stan Lee is a legend, but it's like a Stan Lee, Jack Kirby thing where... He says, here, I got this idea for it's a, it's some bat-obsessed man. And, and then Bill Finger got, like, runs with it, creates the backstory, all of the rogues gallery. Okay. And, and it's Bob Kane's Batman. It's just more recently that you'll see created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger. So they must have won a lawsuit in the last decade. Well, you hate to see it, but uh, good to see Bill Finger getting his due. So this is when we see our first real appearance. I mean, we've seen her, but she does her first little action Catwoman here, stops an assault in progress, and then continues the assault and threatens the woman that she just saved. Because she made it a little too easy. (laughs) Yeah, weird. Come on, Selena, give give the gal a break. I think at this point we start to realize that there's a lot more supernatural going on in this movie because you could say, like, okay, maybe she lived from that fall but now she's got flips. <laughs> Perhaps she was a gymnast her whole life, and we just didn't know that until right now. 
and she just presents as this frumpy woman. But now she can do multiple backflips like strung in a row. And hey, all she needed was a little bit of confidence. Is it like you hear about people like he got in a car accident and after that he could speak fluent French or something? Well, now you're onto something. You did see there was blood coming out of her ears. She did sustain a massive head injury. Right. So then she's now gifted with the knowledge of the flips and the whips, flips and whips. I feel like the whip might have been something she already knew about because like that kind of fits. You think? (laughs) She got that repressed librarian look. Yeah. 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 But anyhow, my girl, she makes her appearance. She can throw down for sure. She whips that guy up. But then we see another side of her. When Bruce Wayne confronts Max about the power plant, because Bruce Wayne's like, hey, this is not what you said it was. And Selena then shows up and is kind of just strutting around the office bandaged up. And my, my man Bruce is quite taken with her. He is. Yeah, he's oftentimes made like a stammering fool by ladies. Yeah, well, and I wonder in here, he does kind of like a stammering moment, but he recognizes her from when he was Batman and kind of says, don't I know you? Haven't we met? And then he's like, oh, wait, uh, we met when I was Batman. So like, it was that like him kind of trying to roll it back and trying to pretend to be bumbling? Or was he just bumbling because he was charmed? Either way, he's a very charming man when he's bumbling. He also says, uh, I mistook me for somebody else. Sorry. Oh, great line. <laughs> but the best line, because uh, this is the moment where Max Shrek realizes that Selena Kyle is still alive after he threw out a window. He's just as caught off guard as Bruce Wayne is. Mm-hmm. And after Bruce Wayne leaves and Selena leaves and his son says, you know, do you believe all this that she doesn't remember what happened? And he said, uh, bottom line, she tries to blackmail me. I'll drop her out a higher window. (laughs) (laughs) Which is maybe my favorite line of any movie ever. And he also says after that, flipping page. He also says after that, I've got batter fish to fry. Now, is that like a, like a multiple pun? Batter, batter. Where it's like a plant, like batter. Yeah. Like you batter fish. I don't know. I don't know. You, You batter fish when you fry it and he's got batter fish to fry. I wouldn't put it past him. Walking seems like he's got a million of those. He's got some great line readings in this, that's for sure. Well, speaking of the fish to fry, he brings a nice, juicy fish (laughs) to the penguin. Forgot to fry it, though. He didn't fry it. No, it's just a raw boy. It's a little sashimi. How do you feel about um, penguin's little undies and his little long johns? Oh, it's so gross. It's just like, (laughs) it's a dark line on his butt cheeks. Mm-hmm. Man, that's so unsettling. A very prominent butt flap. But in this instance, right, Max is trying to convince him to take over for mayor because then he'll have more people in power and it'll also keep Penguin from selling him out all those dirty deeds he knows that Max Shrek did. So he lures him down to see that that he's created this little mayor set up for him with a raw fish. And he's just he's <laughs> chewing this raw fish. <laughs> On his walk down the steps, wearing these nasty, Uh grizzly long johns. And all of these people that are part of his campaign see him and and they still are like super okay with running this dude for mayor. He's he's eating fish out of the fish skin, which I think he really was eating real raw fish out of that fish skin. Because I don't know what, maybe like a gelatin or something, but it looked... No, here's what I think they did. Because there's a moment where he's like eating it and Shrek's got his hat in front of his eyes. He's like, don't peek. And then you hear him go like... 
Oh, yeah. So that's the switch between the jellyfish and the fish. They probably just gave my dude a piece of like smoked salmon. True. Yeah. You could just do smoked salmon on it. Yeah. Yeah. You could, and then you could cook it on a fish in skin. His, in his mouth while he's just going like he's holding the fish skin up to his mouth. It looks real, man. They crush it. Yeah, they do. And he has those stylists or whatever to try to make him better looking. And he like bites that one's nose off. And everyone is still super cool with running this dude's campaign. I don't know if they're getting paid a lot. Max Shrek, he must have these people in his pocket bad. Blackmailed or whatever, because no one blinks an eye. They're so down for it. And this is where Penguin just starts getting so gross. Oh, boy. Just extremely transgressive. He says he wants to use his French flipper trick on somebody. And that's where Max Shrek says that he should definitely run for mayor because he can get... Unlimited boom bang. Ugh. He says the words again, I'm saying this to you, Reed, right now. Uh Yeah, but there's I'm deleting that and I'm going to make him make Christopher Walken say that Christopher Walken says it. Yeah, because I'm not I don't say that. Yeah, Christopher Walken says that. Nobody's clipping me up. <laughs> Honestly, I was thinking the only other way we could do it is to bleep all of the really brutal stuff. They're so bad. I'm going to play them for the world to hear, but it's going to be the original actor saying it because <laughs> I can't. Yeah, no, that's very wise. He says some really when he was like, I want to like fill up her void. I was like, oh, guy, come on. He's like the worst frat bro you've ever known. Cobblepot is on board and gross on a lot of levels. There's like that moment with the button, the staff or later. Awful, awful stuff. So then the plan is the gang is just going to unleash hell on the city so that they can call into question the mayor's leadership. So there's like a a, a Batman fight here, which is pretty fun. It's like a circus fight. He pulls a sword out of a sword swallower's throat. The poodle lady and her poodle, I think. Oh, the poodle takes that grenade inside that building. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> comes out and the building explodes. Yeah, and then later we get a, a little bit of CGI here. We saw a little bit on the Batmobile earlier, I think. And then here he throws a Batarang and it's kind of like weaving around. And He programs the Batarang and it hits everybody. Except for the Poodle Lady and the dog. Except for the Poodle Lady. Which in a great movie. And then she just looks at him disprovingly and walks off. She's fucking great. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah, she's good. It's right about this time that Catwoman destroys the Shrek department store and she does a bunch of cool whip tricks here and the scene where she whips the heads off of the mannequins it was going around as a meme a little while ago maybe a couple months ago but that the take in the movie i believe now and please please write in and correct me if i'm wrong but i believe that that is the first take and all in one take she zaps the heads off of every single one of those that's what they said in the featurette that i watched that it was all one take and they showed it from a different angle, too, mm-hmm. in the featurette. Like, so the lights are up before they've done all of their whatever they do to make it darker. Uh-huh. But all the lights are on and she's whipping everything off. It's pretty impressive. After they call cut, the whole crew bursts into, like, applause and cheers. Right. Yeah, and she had uh, one of the more famous weapons trainers of Hollywood teach her how to use that whip. Anthony DeLongis. Oh. So she had Anthony DeLongis as her whip coach. Whip coach. That's a great job. Her whip stuff's real good. It is really good. So for those who don't know, Anthony DeLongis is an actor, stuntman, fight choreographer. Mm -hmm. And his more famous movies that he worked on would be Masters of the Universe, 
Hell Roadhouse, yeah. which is great. Them kicks, baby. And a movie called Fearless and Batman Returns. Yeah, well, he's got some good stuff in this one. The stunts are really impressive and a lot of fun. But this is when Catwoman does her whip stuff. She scares off a couple of security guards and then throws like cans of spray paint or something in the microwave and pulls out a gas line and blows the whole place up. And she, like Sam says, she's got the power of flips. She flips her way to safety. And as she stops her flips, uh, sees Batman and the Penguin having a confrontation. Is that a um, um, meat cat or a meow cute? I'll say I give you a meow cute or cute. maybe a meow cute, I think is the best. Meow cute. I didn't work very hard on this one. <laughs> that was uh, after the fact. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is shortly after Batman does another murder by strapping an explosive to man's chest and throwing him down a well. He does kill that guy good. He blows him up and he smiles while he's doing it, which is pretty sadistic. He had a pretty good time with that. He thought that was pretty clever. <laughs> uh, real, real quick, whenever she's leaving that department store, there's the, uh, the horny guards. So they're like, I don't know whether to shoot or fall in love. And... She says, you poor guys, always confusing your pistols with your privates. So another wiener thing. And I love the way that they get out of that. And they get out of it just by like, I really don't make enough money for this. Please don't hurt us. And she's like, get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that, that moment is a lot of fun. I love that they're able to get out by appealing with their meager paycheck. Yeah, they're like, well, once once it gets real, they're like, whoa, 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 we, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> we weren't we were going to shoot you. We're out of here. See ya. Right. So then he explodes the strong man. Then the building then, explodes. They, oh, yeah, they have a little confrontation, the Penguin and Batman. Right, a little confrontation. It's pretty good. It's mostly a setup to have all three big characters here meet together. And, you know, Catwoman says, meow, and then the buildings blow up. Man, it's great. The dynamic, I just want to say, between Batman and Catwoman here and Michelle Pfeiffer and Bruce Wayne, well, Michael Keaton, I should say, is is really great. Their chemistry is really compelling, and it's fun to watch those two interact. Oh, yeah, definitely so. And you get a, a glimpse into uh, one of the more iconic parasols that yep. Penguin uses. He's got his umbrella copter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, used to great effect a couple of different ways. But yeah, Oswald, man, my dude is too horny. He's too, he's a little bit too gross because uh, Selena shows up at his pad later and it like, ugh, I don't know, it's a little. But before he goes up the steps, you're talking about how gross he is. I think that's, this is whenever those girls the are there and they say, uh, You are the coolest role model a young person could have. And he says, And you're the hottest young person a role model could have. Just, just so nasty. And then he puts one of those uh, cobble pot for mayor buttons on her boob. And he, it's not great. <laughs> you don't love it. He immediately makes her a liar because he is no role model. As he's going up the steps, he's yelling about how they need a mayor who can grope people and stuff. <laughs> like, okay. It's really insane logic to touch the people, to grope the people. Yeah. He's really going in on just making this guy the worst. Right. And this is the part where I just wrote down, ugh, because he sees Catwoman on the bed and he says, Just the pussy I've been looking for. And that's so nasty, man. Yeah. Their interaction, I think, is pretty good. I think it's, I, I, I don't know, I think it's a little too horny. I think it crosses the fee line. 
As a good joke, but it does. It does. It yeah, it crosses the line. <laughs> it truly, truly does cross the line. Although, a couple of good lines here. Um, so basically, they team up to take down Batman because she stabbed Batman in the side in their encounter and he threw acid on her, which I don't know why Batman has, but he fucking did. He threw acid on her. Um, He's a killer. And she says that I want to play an integral part in his degradation. Oh, that was a lot of fun. I like and then uh, she, like that. And then she puts a real bird in her mouth. Yeah. And then she like has makes orgasmic sounds and then spits the bird out yeah i think the point was that penguin was like well you're not like a freak like me you're just like playing dress up and she's like oh no i'm crazy i i'm a cat i eat birds and then she put a bird in her mouth and then he was like well i'm gonna eat your cat and then she's like okay he probably will eat a cat and so she spit the bird out i don't know it was a weird flex it was a big power play yeah we'll move to a different kind of power playing because uh selena and bruce got a date yes they do and i wrote this down hey i promise before i ever looked at the imdb Mm -hmm. uh she says it's gonna be a hot time on the cool town tonight talking about the party and joker says sings in the first one oh there'll be a hot time in the old town tonight in the old town and it's the cold town on this one well so i got that but then i looked at imdb and i was like dang it i didn't break the story on that one (laughs) Yeah, so they come back to the Wayne Manor for a little date and sit and talk by the biggest fireplace in the whole, <laughs> the whole ass world. Maybe they're just really small. How did Alfred get those logs in there? They are enormous. <laughs> but, oh, I, I didn't think they were going to touch on it, but Bruce Wayne brings up his ex, Vicky Vale, and then we talk a little bit about it later with Alfred. We'll get to yeah, that. This is a big, big love scene, and they're talking about how... Vicky Vale couldn't handle that he was two people, essentially. And she is saying, basically, she understands that, but she has never had any problem with sickos because at least they're committed. Yeah, I did like that. I wonder if that's a play on the words because a sicko would be actually committed. Oh, 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 oh. A couple of layers. We got layers on layers. Maybe perhaps an incidental pun, but it was there. They uh, make out a little bit, and then it seems like they're probing each other for weaknesses, but they're just trying to hide their wounds from each other so they don't recognize, which is a little fun. Uh, But then there's some penguin business, and they both hear about it, and they both got to run, and they both make excuses to Alfred, which are really fun. Selena's, I think, is a a little bit more well-executed, but they're both really fun. Yeah, so they're trying to hide their wounds on their bodies that would give them away, but they both should be, like, covered head to toe in bruises yeah there's like no disguising <laughs> any of this because like we see later batman's just wearing a rubber suit he rips that thing off so easily i'm like that how is that protecting him <laughs> from anything it's barely rubber it's like foam he, he was prepared he knew that he might have to reveal himself yes yeah, so he might have to reveal himself so i'm gonna wear the lighter one today i'm gonna wear my tearaway cowl there's something to that because you see he does have a closet full of bat suits we see Selena suiting up in her car and Batman suiting up in the Batcave. And you see the penguin who's got the Batarang and he abducts that actress. Mm-hmm. I thought he killed her right there. I thought he killed her too because they show they show that him throw the Batarang at her and there's blood spray off. That would have been dark as hell. <laughs> well, this whole movie's pretty dark. So Batman finds the actress that's bound and she says, oh, no problem. I'll tell him that the penguin did this to me. You know, because he says, you know, they framed me for this. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, then Catwoman comes out of the ceiling and they have their little fight. But the fight ends up on the rooftop and the actress is standing on the ledge. And interestingly, the penguin releases bats. He's He's got some bats. From an umbrella. His bat umbrella. He's got some bats in an umbrella. Uh-huh. Well, you know, because this is all part of the Batman frame up. So if bats are what cause her to fall, then that's what people are going to associate. And then Catwoman licks Batman's face, which is really gross, like up to his nostrils. When he throws the bat, Batman tries to save her and they see him. And then also when they she lands on like the switch and a bunch of bats fly out of the uh, Christmas tree during the mayor's speech. Mm. Uh, so it's all a big setup to kind of frame Batman. And then Batman yet again does himself no favors. By then him and Catwoman have, you know, another little altercation. And then he escapes via his like hang glider and then like flies around this center where all of the bats and the woman yeah where everyone can see him where people just assume he killed someone he like flies around and terrorizes them further Mm -hmm. so while he was doing all that the speech and everything the gang were hacking the batmobile doing some sort of stuff to it uh, in a setup and cobblepot has a control rig so that he can take over the Batmobile. But before all that, Penguin and Catwoman are talking on the roof, and he basically kind of like proposes, he's like, hey, we, we set up the Batman, it's great, now let's get married and move into the mayor's mansion. And she's like, no, man, like I, that wasn't part of it. Also, you said we were just going to scare this girl, and you killed her. He was like, well, she was pretty scared. Yeah, <laughs> all the way till the end. And he makes another Beauty and the Beast reference, which is funny because the Joker makes a Beauty and the Beast reference with... Vicky Vale in the first one. Penguin giving off some nice guy bro energy because she turns him down and then he's like, well, fuck you. And then tries to kill her. Hooks her up to the umbrella copter. She falls into that greenhouse and she screams and it shatters all the glass. Yeah, it's third time she's been killed by a man. The three main main male characters have all <laughs> killed uh, Catwoman because we missed earlier Batman and Catwoman were fighting. When he throws that acid after on her, she falls off the building but lands in a truck of kitty litter. So that was her second death. But yeah, so Penguin built a an arcade machine <laughs> VR control rig to hack the Batmobile. It was a very nice touch. <laughs> He's doing a rampage around the city, smashing people up and running people over and shit like that. But there's a scene where you see the Penguin in his thing, and it's like one of those like rocket ships outside of a grocery store from like the 80s or whatever where you put in a quarter and you take a little ride on the rocket ship but it's a batmobile and he's driving it so it's like a a sim rig and they have a fan hooked up to blow air on him you can see for a second they pull back so this is like a full immersion 4dx kind of scenario it was very ahead of its time yeah, 92. They they had it all locked in. Then Batman finally does find the gizmo that's connected to his Batmobile that makes it remote controllable. And the last few vehicular deaths by the police are kind of on Batman because he drives like headlong into this tiny little miniature alleyway and he's able to take stuff off of the side of the Batmobile so he can fit. And then the cops just crash right into it like four or five cars pile up at least a couple cops are dead they didn't count those in the three deaths but in my opinion there's got to be one or two deaths out of that oh man they got breaks they could see he was going towards literally like a brick wall true i guess what was their end solution was that like maybe if we're lucky batman crashes into that wall and then we crash into batman so, yeah, I don't know. I guess it's just blame to be had on both sides of the table there also his his little escape pod quite phallic 
Yes. Just seen flying through that narrow gap in the buildings. It looks like a corn dog. Yeah, it does look like a corn dog. There is a great line here where he Cobblepot has disengaged like the brakes or something like that. And mm-hmm. Batman's like flicking switches and he says, All right, well, now I'm a little worried. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good moment. This is where we see Batman back to Wayne Manor and uh he's talking to Alfred and Alfred's saying, you know, oh, this yeah. is a real you don't know about the Batmobile. There might be some security problems and he says Security? Who let Vicky Vale into the Batcave? So they finally do get to not solve the problem, but at least they mention it. Alfred gets roasted here. He really gets roasted. A little fun moment here where Batman triggers the secret entrance and it's an Iron Maiden and he gets in and he slides down and then Alfred takes the stairs and just walks in like a second after he does. Iron Maiden, dude. Put them in the Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden? Excellent! Execute them. Bogus. (laughs) Iron Maiden, dude. Pretty good. Cobblepot's giving him a speech for mayor, and they do a quick deep fake remix on uh-huh. my man. Not just a remix, he even does the DJ scratch on him. <laughs> <laughs> just for fucking effect. These people are garbage. It's very good. He thinks all Gothamites are like bullshit and he he played them like a hot fiddle. What does he say? <laughs> a hot harp? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. But then then people start throwing lettuce and tomatoes at him and he says, why is there always someone who brings eggs and tomatoes to a speech? And the amount that they throw at him, it is arguable that everyone brought lettuce and tomatoes to throw. A little bit. Yeah, they were ready for this. Which is fitting because that recording, it drove a wedge between him and the people a wedge mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like a wedge you know, salad like, yeah no no i yeah it's like lettuce yeah. and it's tomato and so you know, he drove like a blue w- cheese <laughs> i expected that to do better um <laughs> 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 so uh <laughs> uh but seriously folks <laughs> I have a fun fact that Danny DeVito wouldn't let them use a body double here when he was pelted with tomatoes and lettuce and things of that nature. Funny you say they pelted him because I think it turned him into a uh, a PLT, right? Uh, penguin, lettuce, and tomato. Phonetically, that would sound like pelt, right? Mm-hmm. Seriously, folks. Yeah, that's it. Well, <laughs> he's here all week. He's here all week. You always see comedians that are bombing and then they say, seriously, folks. <laughs> like that other part was, you know, just forget about that. We're moving on anyway. But yeah, and moving on. And moving on. But seriously, folks, uh, he goes down to his penguin lair and he has that fun little scream sesh where he says, I am not a human being! I am an animal! Which is a reverse of David Lynch's Elephant Man where he says, I am not an animal! I am a human being! The fun little switcheroo there. His When he takes a header <laughs> off of that bridge right into that river... I had to write, I wrote that down that his little dive there was great. Now it's time. Batman has an invitation to the Max Shrek Raid. What was the name of this? The Max Shrek Raid? Like a masquerade? Yeah, the Max Shrek Ball or whatever. Yeah. And 
there's this really fun scene where Alfred approaches him with the invitation and he's like, hey, are um, are you going to go to this? Shit, can I reply in the negative? And Batman's like, yeah, I'm not going to go. And then Alfred tears it in half and Batman says, well, maybe I will go. Alfred's got great looks at this. He's like, ugh. It's just priceless. It's very good. But yeah, so Penguin, he unfolds a nefarious plan while the Max Shuxcarade party is going on to kidnap all of the firstborn sons of Gotham and then shockingly to not like ransom them, not like turn them into weird slaves or something, to just kill them, just throw them in a pit. Would argue harder to wrangle them all up, bring them back to a place where you could kill them and not just kill them instead of wrangling them up. But it's, you know, super villain stuff. Luckily for Gotham, he's got a flair for the dramatic, I guess. He wants to drown them in the sewer. At the Max Shrek's Grade, uh, there's a classy band there and they're playing Super Freak. <laughs> <laughs> and you also see here the way that Batman and Catwoman show up to this masquerade. They show up without masks and it just shows you how they see themselves where Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle, that is the mask that they wear. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's their alter egos is their regular personages as Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle. It's very telling. They they hook up and dance a little and they say, um, Bruce says that he's tired of masks and she says, so does she. Yeah, and then Bruce says, oh, sorry, I bailed on you the other day. You know, no hard feelings. And she says, actually, semi-hard, I'd say. Yeah, they go through a similar piece of banter about mistletoe that they did earlier before she licked him right on the face. And he gives up his identity again. The jig is up. For like the third time. Yeah, he really blows it. It's ridiculous, but this movie should be rated R. (laughs) It really should be. It absolutely. You can't talk about this wiener stuff back to back to back and expect it not to get that rating. It was the MPAA. They really, really threw them a bone here. (sighs) Come on. And I don't mean it in the way that they would have. Come on. I was I was incidental. I'm just saying they they helped him out. <laughs> they figure out each other's secret identities. A great line again from Catwoman where she says that. Uh, Does this mean we have to start fighting? That was just really great. Hold up. <laughs> before that, before he even realizes that she's Catwoman, <laughs> he says, "Oh, what did you come here for?" And she said, "Max Shrek." And he's like, "Not you and Max Shrek." And she gets a good laugh, and she's like, "Oh no." I came here to ice this dude and pulls a gun out. <laughs> Laughing. Laughing. And he's like, oh, you can't do that. And then they like get back to dancing. Yeah. I mean, weird still that he's like, that's like totally unrelated because she's literally holding a gun. It's unrelated. She's got a gun and he's like, fine. He's like, okay. A garter gun, little garter pistol. Fine. I told you not to kill him. I think that we're good. Let's get back to this dance. Yeah. <sighs> that was really strange. They piece out of their mere seconds before the penguin blows up the room and like people go flying. There's some buck wild stunts in this one. Mm-hmm. Oh, and he comes out back in his dirty onesie again. Yeah, yeah. And he's <laughs> coming to kidnap Chip, Max Shrek's son, but he takes Shrek instead. Because Christopher Walken does care about his family, even though he doesn't care about anyone else. Yeah, well, there is that. He he offers that, wouldn't you rather see me up to my eyes in, like, feces or something like that? He's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, raw sewage. Raw sewage. I would like that. Um, yeah, he Chris Watkins his way right out of that. Yeah, yeah. so they, he is kidnapped and taken away on the, the rubber duck. Some good penguin bits here. Um, the monkey sends him a message that uh, the kids aren't coming because Batman stops the train that was abducting them. The abduction train. The heartbreaking fun fact of that monkey 
scene, though. Yes. Yes, I was hoping you were going to bring this up. It was hard to film because the penguin makeup and the way he was acting scared the monkey. So it took a few takes, but finally the monkey did give him the message. After this, he's going on a tirade and he's saying, you know, why stop at the firstborn? Why not go for the secondborn? Man and woman, you know, since he's just going for the sons. Let's go for the daughters, too. And he says the sexes are equal with their erogenous zones blown sky high. He's coming to the wrong conclusions. You know, he needed to really, like, get woke (laughs) about certain stuff. But this is not what we were talking about, Penguin. This is not it. Yeah, it's all the same whenever it's blown to bits. Um, (laughs) You went too far. Yeah, I guess. Fucking Thanos, roll it back. (laughs) He sends out his highly trained Penguin army. With the rockets. Which, hell yeah. At least partially real penguins. Also partially puppets. In the featurette, they show some of the cool puppet stuff they do. And the penguins they make look real. You can kind of tell the ones that are puppets when the ones that are puppets have a lot of shit on their heads and faces. They got like eye stuff and like little helmets and stuff. The other ones, I'm really surprised that they got so many of those penguins to swim with those little rockets on there. I was kind of like... This is like really lightweight rubber. And I guess they spent weeks getting them accustomed to those outfits like training yeah, yeah so eventually they were able to finally do that so the plan is he's sending out these penguins to just cause all kind of chaos in gotham blow up everything hundred thousand casualties he's controlling them and just like batman broke into his speech he broke into the frequency that they were using to get those penguins to go where they were going and he sent them mm-hmm. back to where they came from but all the while there's the poodle lady doing a really monotone countdown for them getting to Hell the square yeah. which is great Then she says basically that Batman's coming, and then <laughs> you see the acrobats. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they they bid Penguin a circus so long as they flip out of there because <laughs> they don't want nothing to do with Batman at this point. And then you look back up to where the poodle lady was, and she's gone. So it's just the Penguin left to fend for himself. Penguin and Max Shrek and the monkey, I think, at this point. When Penguin unveils his plan to like take all the kids and kill them all, there's like one guy's like, "Hey, wait a minute!" Um, oh yeah. Hey, yeah. like real quick, like that seems a bit uh, is, like is, extreme. No, he says, "Isn't that a little?" And then he shoots him. And as he's rolling him down the slide, he says, "No, it's a lot." So it's not a little. Yeah. He's gonna say a little. Yeah, extreme. He was gonna probably say, but instead, big props for that guy to standing up, and then everyone else just kind of chills. Yeah. You do get to see him again. He, that's not his final sighting because when Max Shrek breaks out of the cage, he swims down to get his gun and that guy's laying at the bottom of the water. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's like a big little set piece here. We get another toy shot of the bat boat. You know, we've mm-hmm. got the Batmobile that breaks down with the skate pod. Now we've got the bat boat. It's a bat ski boat. Uh, so it does a one cool trick. It does a sewer rotate to avoid some penguin missiles. And yeah, there's just kind of a thing. He crashes the boat into penguin's car and penguin falls into the water and now, then there's a confrontation with intended, max uh catwoman and batman he fully intended to crush penguin with his car i believe so yeah because he was like he crushed the rubber duck that penguin was just in he's like looking around trying to find his like corpse which i think is fair he just tried to kill all the children and then tried to just kill an entire city so i mm-hmm. mean like lethal force authorized here batman <laughs> We get the Max Shrek Catwoman final showdown. Some more of that supernatural stuff you were talking about. Yeah, right. So she wants his blood. (laughs) Great take. He says, my blood I gave at the office. Batman comes to stop her from killing Max Shrek. 
and Max Shrek is so excited to see Batman. He said, you're not just saving me. And then Batman puts his hand on his face and he's like, shut up, you're going to jail and pushes him aside. <laughs> it's yeah, a good moment. Gives him the chomp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> chomp. Catwoman gets her final word. They have a brief scuffle, Batman and Catwoman. This is where Batman rips off his cowl. To give up his ID to another person, Max Shrek. <laughs> And he was like, no, Bruce Wayne, why are you dressed as Batman? (laughs) That's a bad walking. That was more of a John Travolta. (laughs) Hey, I'm going to take his uh, face off. I don't know. I'm not doing anything. You know, I had a rough day today. You know, I had had a a pull poop off my dog's butthole. You know, is that one of those days? (laughs) One of those days. Do you put it on your mantle? No, not yet. Uh, that's somebody else's mantle. What you place in the grass, I put on my mantle. Yes, they, they uh, got pretty good DeVito. Not bad. <laughs> uh, but okay, so here we go. This is where we get it. Max has got that gun from the guy, and Max shoots Catwoman for lives four, five, and six. She's got two lives left, and uh, she gives him a little taser smooch with a. Uh, I don't know. She's like, I don't know what that fucking power thing is. Yeah, and it melts him bad. It's a pretty unique death, except that uh, Joker does melt that other guy mm-hmm. with a buzzer in the first movie to the same effect. He makes a little Beetlejuice corpse. Like, that guy's going to be sitting in a waiting room somewhere for sure. <laughs> right. But my favorite, pro- I say everything's my favorite line. But one of my favorite lines is the penguin, who is still alive, even though he fell through the glass, so you get the idea that he might be dead. He comes in, spitting that bile out of his mouth, and uh, he goes to his pile of parasols, umbrella his umbrella bin, and he grabs the one that's just the mobile that he was going to use to lure the children, and he's like, ah. Yeah, I got, I got the joke one instead. Ah, oh, shit. <laughs> Hold on, Batman. I'm, I'll kill you in a minute. I'm just going to take a drink of some nice cold ice water and then falls over fucking dead. <laughs> and then those penguins shuttle him <laughs> into the water. Those have got to be people in suits, right? Those are people. Yes, people in suits. They slide his ass <laughs> face down into the fucking muck and then they fuck off too. So Bruce looks through the rubble and he finds Shrek's dead body with the white hair, so you know it's him. Somebody once told me... Oh, different Shrek. (laughs) Yeah. Max Shrek is dead. Catwoman, still out there. He doesn't find her body. And, you know, I guess he heads home. I don't know if this is on the way home. Alfred is there and they're driving back and he sees her shadow and runs down an alleyway. But, nah, she's not there. Her cat is, though. And he picks that up, takes it home and drives off. And then the bat signal goes up in the distance, and then we, we see Selena, Catwoman, appear one last time looking at the signal, and then psh, credits, baby. About that scene where you see that Catwoman lives, that last shot of the movie cost $250,000 to film. Holy shit. Why? <laughs> because they filmed it weeks before the movie released. I think it was a studio note to keep her alive mm. or something like that, so she might show up in a sequel or something. So it's filmed with a body double. Yeah, that's what I figured. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that was it. Very cool. <laughs> that makes sense because it probably wasn't testing well that she may have died and they just wanted to get a more concrete, like, no, she she made it. Happy ending. I think fairly ambiguous, though, and telling enough is that he doesn't see her body melted next to Max Rex. I think that should have been good enough. But all told, very cool shot anyway. So I'm glad it's in there. 
Uh, a great final line. Two lives left. I think I'll save one for next Christmas. Which could have been great if we would have got that third movie with Catwoman and Man Bat. Mm, we finally figure out what happened to Johnny Gobbs. The Revenant of Johnny Gobbs. You know, uh, dude, I looked up Johnny Gobbs the other day since I bring him up on every episode. And they mention him in Gotham by Gaslight. No way. Yeah, so that's a more recent Batman comic. It's like a noir take. Kind of like how Marvel did all the noir ones. And I think the Joker is Jack the Ripper, but they still mention Johnny Gobbs as somebody who Batman may or may not have killed. There you go. That's a quick comic divergence right there. There's not too much here for, you know, kind of comic analysis. I think let's uh, sneak right in there. A real... Fuck. I think Penguin is spot on. I think Catwoman is, this is a great take. I mean, it's hard to say, compare these to any particular take. And I don't, I don't think that's really productive to try to narratively tie these versions of the characters because these are specific versions that these actors have cultivated. And I think they're extremely adequate takes. I think Gotham City looks great in this. The, the film, the aesthetic is just really perfect. And I think more than any other Batman movie, really, to kind of nail the tone and nail the aesthetic of a Batman comic, this really is it. I mean, it's a lot of focus on the villains. It's a lot of people talking in rooms about motivations and things of that nature. And then a couple of quick action scenes. So for me, this is a great adaptation. We always mention uh, The Killing Joke, and I think that that is a big influence also on this one. Tim Burton has said that's his favorite comic, so I think that's why you get this Red Triangle gang of circus performers, because in The Killing Joke, the Joker has a tunnel of love and stuff that a lot of that plays out in, so he does have an abandoned place like that, and he has a bunch of circus performers as his goons in that. And there's the scene where... Max Shrek wakes up and he sees all of these, I'd say grotesque because they're people, but (laughs) circus people around him. And it's sort of like really freaky horror movie-esque. And Commissioner Gordon in Killing Joke wakes up and sees all of that around him as well. So there's a lot drawn from a lot of these flicks. And even from the comic Penguin, this much backstory I don't think was delved into at this point. But you did have the top hat and... They did put the cigarette extender in his mouth for a second. So <laughs> they're doing a lot of stuff to to make you think of those things. And interestingly, when they released the penguin toy, they determined that this penguin is way too gnarly to be a kid's toy. So they just uh-huh. took, they took the original toy that Kenner had of the comic penguin and they just gave him like a black suit <laughs> instead. That's great. They toned it down. Mm-hmm. And that's the toy everyone had with the shooting umbrella. Yeah, those little red missiles that mm. like put your eye out. The mayor posters they had had a really kind of like comic-y penguin on there, and it looked great. Mm. I think this one kind of knocks it out of the park uh, as far as an adaptation goes. I mean, this more so even than a lot of movies today, just, I don't know, it, it felt like a comic, just like watching a, a comic. Maybe a little non-traditional as an action movie. Right. I think the argument back then is it was too dark and it looked like it was filmed in an inkwell. And the <laughs> uh, the art director said, looking back, that sounds like a compliment. But at the time, that was like a big negative thing that he got. And it was very kind of poorly reviewed and all of these things. But, but I think it withstands the test of time. 
a lot more than the majority of early 90s, late 80s movies, where I think it's just as novel of a comic book approach as we've seen. Yeah, I was worried that this was going to be more of a kind of studio-to-death cash grab kind of movie. And this one feels like the studio gave him pretty free reign because it is non-traditional, certainly. In the featurette, Tim Burton says that the only way he would do the sequel is if it was not really a direct sequel to 1989 Batman because he felt like that was well-trod ground. He didn't want this to have a lot to do with the Joker. He didn't want Vicky Vale in it. He just he didn't want it to seem like a direct sequel. Just he wanted it to be more of a standalone movie. I feel like he accomplished that. I, I think in a lot of ways exceeded his previous outing, certainly in my regard. That's kind of where I'm sitting at. Let's check the box office reception and a couple of critical reviews. The budget for this one much improved. It was well it increased certainly eighty million. The opening weekend it made forty five point six million. Overall, the domestic was 162, and the worldwide gross was 267 million dollars. Tomato meter, pretty good, 80 percent, and the audience score of 73. Really, the critics have a higher review than the audience. That's very rare, especially for this type of movie, and especially from this time frame too. Because now, if this movie came out now, everyone would be like, "Oh my god, so thoughtful." This would certainly put super movies back on their heels a little bit now because of the tendency to move towards a CGI aesthetic and having the physical sets and the amount of money and energy they put into making this feel and look great, I think was well worth it. A lot of people at the time kind of got down on this one because it was dark and moody, but I think that is what really makes this movie shine. You can really feel Tim Burton's hand on the tiller, and it's kind of his expression of these feelings that we all have of how much more can go wrong. Do you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. it's these stories of all these people that have this terrible stuff happen to them and how they relate to that. And it really is a, a very emotional movie in a way that you wouldn't expect from a $80 million blockbuster Batman movie. And I think a, a lot of people see that now, especially with these new reviews and updated scores kind of reflect that. Next up is Heroes and Villains. Who's your hero? Who's your villain? Who will you pick? For which? For what? For why ever? Okay, I think for me, um, I'm going to start with Heroes. And my hero on this on this number is whoever spent six months of their life training penguins to walk with fake rubber rockets strapped to their back. I think that is really the hero of this film. It made the whole thing come together. Oh, totally. Uh, and really sold the sold it for me. Because just with the puppets, it would not work. Um, and these are some cute little penguins. And, uh, penguins of all types and sizes as well. So th- my hero is Penguin Wranglers. Yeah, I agree with that. My hero is Max Shrek, and I'll tell you why. One. Christopher Walken is such a feast for the eyes and ears. Two, the guy's a dog lover. He had his chihuahua stuffed. He made his password the chihuahua's name. Three, he was only stealing energy that was over and above what Gotham needed. And finally, at the end of it all, even with all of his being kind of a genuine bastard, at his core, he was a family man. He risked life and limb to save his precious boy Chip. That was pretty much a goof one, so I'll also say um, 
the prosthetic team and any person living or dead who has ever had to grease Danny DeVito or his underwears, they deserve a Congressional Medal of Honor. Honorable mention, though, uh, would be the Gothamites who see past what Oswald Cobblepot's parents couldn't. They gave him a fair shake, all the while packing salads in their pockets just in case he turned out to be exactly what his parents thought he was. As far as villain goes, my villain is the same thing, and it's for both possible reasons. It is my villain because it is an amazing, uh, an amazing villain, and it is also the thing I hate most about this movie, and that's um, a Penguin's overall demeanor. Looks great, great character, um, depth of emotion. Danny DeVito is uh, putting in the work here, but also, boy. I don't like this character one single bit. So, I'm torn. My villain is the team of folks that ran the mayoral campaign for the Penguin because they either must have been so deeply criminal as to be blackmailed into it or so crooked as to be paid enough to let a sociopath be in charge of anything at all. It isn't like they don't know he's a sociopath. They see him do some pretty wild stuff, bite off someone's nose, etc., and they're still totally fine with running the campaign. All right, well, here we are at the end. Uh, what a wild ride. I'm, you know, doing Batman, and now Batman Returns. Uh, such a nostalgic trip to, you know, a different time, and I'm so uh, pleased uh, at this new watching of Batman Returns. I I think this is a film I might return to often. I really like this. I would re- recommend this movie to anyone, even if you don't like superheroes, even if you don't like Batman or know anything about Batman. I think everyone should absolutely watch this film. I would recommend this to anyone, Batman lover or otherwise, as it does have you know that fairly deep exploration into the duality of humankind. And whether it is nature or nurture that can bring about either good or evil in the individual. And also it's got a bunch of wiener jokes. So. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. Um, It really means a lot to us that you guys are with us on this journey through comic movie history. Um, I'd also like uh, to especially thank the the cast and crew of Batman Returns. This is just a great film, and um, thank you so much for all your hard work to make it possible. Speaking of hard work, thank you to our social media manager, Dave. Um, He's really putting in the hard work, you know, engaging with the community uh, and talking to you guys and uh, making us laugh on the daily. You can also check him out at The Face of Dave on Twitter for his personal account. Sam, tell us about your internet presence. Uh, I can be reached at pgh underscore svh. I am so active there. <laughs> all right. Uh, and you can reach me at pgh underscore read. Got all kind of fun music-related things going on over there. Uh, hey, if you know you want to interact, you know, uh, and, and work on a tune together, hit me up and maybe we can work something out. All right, and speaking of interacting, please reach out and interact with us. You can reach us at nerdaplexy at gmail.com or at nerdaplexypod on Twitter. Check us out for the next mini episodes where we'll read your responses, talk about the movie we're going to be doing next, and all of that. Um, But before we go, we always like to leave you with a particular thought to ponder. How soon do you think Poodle Lady will get her own HBO Max series? If it happens before the Johnny Gobbs story, I riot.